Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, the biggest show of the year, every single year, 2020 fantasy football rankings, top 200. You want to see the full list? Hit the description of this video and or podcast as you will find the updated list because shockingly enough, what the rankings are on July 1st may not be the same as they are on August 31st when you're doing drafts. Just remember that if you're watching it well after the fact. The updated links will be in the description of the video. We're going back full-time into fantasy football starting right now. We're going to have our golf shows, our MMA shows, and our football shows. That's what you can expect from the Pat Mayo experience going forward. So smash the like button if you enjoy that, and tell me the one guy in the comment section who you need to have on your fantasy football roster this season. The guy who you're reaching on, that guy, because we all got our guys. So I want to know who yours is this year. Also, sub to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star rating. And hey, if you want to leave a review, only for the better. So please go do that. It takes like five seconds. One second per star, we're good to go. Joining me, this is very exciting, to debate my awful rankings. Because everyone knows, like, you don't listen to me. You want to listen to the experts on this. Problem is... These guys have joined forces, uh, and I, I would call them, I, I don't want to go as far as friends, but, you know, casual acquaintances, we very much are. We like to drink together at these fantasy conferences, but they form their own site, fadethenoise.com. I have, starting first, Brad Evans, what's going on? Hola, amigo! Yes, uh, Jeffrey Ratcliffe and I have uh, indeed locked hands together. We have frolicked on the beach of the fantasy sports business simultaneously uh we are skipping across the sand and we are ecstatic because of uh ftnfantasy.com ftnbets.com ftndaily.com 
an all-encompassing content, tools, research site. We even own a data company, for crying out loud, that Jeff is going to be overseeing. And we cannot wait to peel back the curtain and share it with the masses out there. I think it's going to be your new obsession. And I'm just happy that Ratcliffe's a part of this ride because he has raised our handsomeness and knowledge tenfold in the process. Yeah, the guy you want to listen to is Jeff Radcliffe. He just launched a brand new podcast, which I think everyone should go subscribe to, although it's beating me in downloads right now, which I am not very happy about. But hey, <laughs> if I can siphon some of his listeners into mine, I'm going to be pretty good with this. Jeff, you're heading up Fade the Noise Data. So I, I was playing around on the site. It's live as of right now. Oh, also, I should let everyone know that there's a huge deal if you want to become a subscriber of Fade the Noise right now and Here's the thing. These two are so generous for the viewers and listeners of the Pat Mayo experience that if you use promo code Mayo, you get an extra 5% off. So, well, that doesn't seem like much. On top of a deal already, another 5% boom. Promo code Mayo. Thanks, guys, for doing this. Jeff, FTN data. Tell me about it because I've been playing around with tools on the regular site, but I'm so excited for this data when it comes out. Absolutely. And, and that's really the key is the tools that you're talking about. I mean, we, we're really trying to push the envelope in terms of what we're going to offer to consumers at your fingertips. You know, for the longest time, you hear people talk about pace, for example, and, it, and it's like this mysterious stat, like, how do you even get this stat? Well, now we have a pace tool that you're going to be able to see, you know, who runs the fast. Spoiler, Arizona is going to be very fast, right? <laughs> uh, you're going to be able to see that, though. How fast are they are they running plays? each week and then defenses as well. Who's running plays fast against, uh, you know, whichever defense. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. So we're going to really leverage this. And, you know, the goal is, as Brad said, it's to be all encompassing. It's not just one sport. It's all sports. It's even esports. You know, it's not just fantasy. It's DFS. It's betting. And then even if you're just a data junkie and maybe you're not even into those things, we still have you covered. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting times. Yeah. So go to, just Google Fade the Noise. You can find it all the different sites that are up there. Promo code Mayo gets you the extra 5% off on top of all of the new deals that are up there right now. Uh, I'm already on board. So uh, I put my login in. I'm a subscriber. So hopefully the people out there go do it too. I'm very excited to dig into this. The Rant with Jeff Radcliffe is the name of Jeff's new podcast as well. Highly recommend everyone go do that. I think we've done enough uh, back and forth here because... I don't know. I don't want to get going too much. I'm like the, uh, as my wife would tell you, I'm like the Arizona Cardinals of our bedroom that, you know, my pace a bit high, <laughs> fast player over here, but I want to get Guilty. in. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. You know, we're fantasy guys. We're not, you know, Peter North, but <laughs> football is starting top 200 rankings. I have them out. You guys have problems with them, but I want to get an overview first on the general trends that you're seeing. I've talked through this. I've done my mock drafts. Jeff, I want to start with you. Is it running back? blank running back then your receivers is that the optimal way to start do you think if you have anything inside the top five picks inside the top five picks uh yeah well i mean so i'll tell you this right now and i'm glad you said five because one six sucks yeah. i was put to this decision the other day it went mccaffrey saquon thomas elliott camara and then there's nobody, you know, then there's for me a major teardrop because I'm not going Dalvin Cook on limited information. If Dalvin Cook, we knew he's he's going to play, he's not going to hold out, he's not going to Melvin Gordon us or worse, Le'Veon Bell us, then yeah, I'm in. I love Dalvin Cook, but I can't guarantee that right now in July 
you know, that that's going to happen. So I ended up going Devontae Adams in that spot because, you know, I, I felt like there, there was no sure thing at running back. And I know that everybody, by the way, all y'all who hated Derrick Henry last year and gave me, <laughs> you know, ish over Derrick Henry. Now everybody loves Derrick Henry. Come on. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going Derrick Henry in that spot. Uh, so, yeah, I think right now, if you're top five pick, absolutely. And then the challenge with running back, as we see every single year, it falls off numerous cliffs at various points of the draft. So if you don't capitalize, you're going to miss out on it. Brad, my top 10 for this is going to be half point PPR. That seems to be like the norm people are playing yeah. these days. So yeah. my top 10 overall PPR. I'm glad that Jeff said Devontae Adams at number six, because spoiler alert, I have Devontae Adams at number six. Number one in my rankings, obviously, Christian McCaffrey. It's hard to make really a case against him. You take away 20% of his fantasy points from last year. He's still the number one player. Barkley, Elliott. I have Michael Thomas at number four above Elvin Kamara. We can probably fight about that. Adams at six, Henry at seven, Mixon, Kenyon Drake. And I feel the same way that Jeff does about Delvin Cook. So I put him at 10 for the moment. I think he's going to be the player, Brad, that fluctuates the most at the top end of running back until we actually get some news about this yeah i think that's exactly right yeah i mean it's it's really wishy-washy right now in terms of you know how things are going to pan out with alvin cook and and you got him at 10 but i'm going to tell you right now mayo and i I think you probably agree with me push comes to shove in a draft you're sitting there at 10 and the chef boy rd of running backs is still available i got a feeling that you're going to circumvent him uh because of the unknowns that are attached to him and his potential holdout overall. They've got a viable backup at Alexander Madison, who was outstanding in yards after contact last season, who knows this one cut-and-go scheme under Gary Kubiak, who is now the full-time OC with Kevin Stefanski, now running the ship for the Cleveland Browns. But the one disagreement I have, you know, a lot of people are really high on Joe Mixon. I get it. You and I are very symbiotic on Kenyon Drake. I think he's got a sizzle in the Sonoran Desert this season. I remember he was on pace for over 1,600 yards and 16 touchdowns as a member of the Arizona Cardinals over eight games last season, and he was averaging 101.2 total yards per game. Excellent fit for that air raid scheme. But I would actually take Alvin Kamara, not only ahead of Michael Thomas, not only ahead of Zeke Elliott, but I even like him more than Saquon Barkley. And the reason why is this. It's all about the situation in New Orleans. He's got arguably the best offensive line in the league that was number one in adjusted line yards allowed, according to Football Outsiders last season. It's a very healthy offensive environment. Drew Brees still playing at elite level. And I think he's going to get back, you know, after the injury-marred season that he experienced last year, the high ankle sprain, the knee issue, the back spasms that he was experiencing. He's going to get back to the 70-plus red zone targeted and rush attempted player that we saw two years ago that was double digits and overall touchdowns. I, I would not be at all surprised, fellas, come year's end, that Christian McCaffrey is dethroned by Alvin Kamara in fantasy overall. That's how bullish I am on the Fleur de Lis this year. Jeff, are you, I I just worry, I don't worry. I have him as my number five player overall. I'm good with taking Alvin Kamara as a very top tier running back. I'd feel good about my team starting 
with Alvin Kamara. I like Michael Thomas more. I think he gives you such an edge just on the consistency week to week. There's no game plan ever for the Saints that doesn't include Michael Thomas, which is nice. And I did this last year, and it only worked for a few weeks, but I just like drafting Latavius Murray really late in case something happens to Alvin Kamara. And then if you just plug in Latavius Murray, he's not the fourth running back. He's like the ninth running back if he's the starter in that situation. Not that I'm banking on a Kamara injury. It's just there is another guy there that even if something is a little bit wrong with Kamara, they can turn to that guy just to preserve him because I think that the Saints are going to be trying to make a Super Bowl run here. Well, on paper, the team is is spectacular. You know, they the top to bottom, defensively, offensively, they really have uh, the the talent to go to the Super Bowl, and they they really just haven't had the luck to get to the Super Bowl the last couple of years. Now, I do agree with you with Michael Thomas. I think there's a fair argument to be made for Michael Thomas at number two. I don't think there's an argument against McCaffrey. I know that some people in Brad, I hear you. You know. McCaffrey isn't unbeatable, but he is clearly the lock at number one. But after that, is there a player with a higher fantasy floor on this planet? Other than like, you know, we're talking quarterback. Okay. It's sort of a different comparison, but out of the rest of the skilled position players, uh, than Michael Thomas, I don't think there is, I'm projecting Michael Thomas for 121 catches. That is an unbelievable number. And yet with him, it's totally fathomable, right? You know, everybody else is well under 100 catches. It, it takes a lot to project a guy that much. So I like him there. But, you know, here's the thing about Kamara. Touchdown regression works in both ways. We saw him move in the opposite direction after his wildly productive 2018 season from an efficiency standpoint. But I would argue, despite all the injuries, he was just as good last year. So I have no issue with putting him nearly side-by-side side with Saquon Barkley. And I think that's a good lesson to anybody listening right now. A lot of people look at rankings and they say, well, you have met two. Therefore, I have to take him ahead of the guy at three. And the reality is it could be two and two B, right? They're like the same dude. And you could take one or the other based on your personal preference, right? I don't think there's a, a massive teardrop by any means between those guys. Now, I will say about Latavius Murray – if Kamara is not hurt, you are basically wasting a bench spot, right? Because he did nothing, yeah. essentially, other than the two games that uh, he had to play for Kamara last year. And by the way, he was second and third those weeks in PPR scoring. So he was a monster. It's just it's tough to to roster handcuffs a lot of times in most leagues with depth, the bench depth that you have. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Kamara at five is fine. I would take him at four. That's about as high as I'd go. I don't mind, like, just personal preference for me. I don't mind stashing a running back specifically like that on my bench because it's not like it's a bench spot where, oh, I made a bench mistake because I didn't play him. You know you're either going to play him or he's on your bench. That's going to be it. And if I waste one roster spot for that, I mean, if you're playing in a league, like, Brad, you and I play in that league of leagues where there's, like, three bench spots, you can't do it in that sort of format, but you have like five bench spots, six bench spots. Like that's a Trump card that you have on your bench. If anything happens, all of a sudden you don't need to go to the waiver wire to pick up and spend all your fab money on the one guy you have proactively gotten ahead of that. It'll be a lot like Alexander Madison this year too. And Madison's going way higher than Murray in drafts. And they're like the same guy. Yeah. Let's talk about Madison has independent value though. Madison showed last year. He has value independent of being a handcuff. So he's more of a premium handcuff for me. 
Plus, yeah, but, the, but, but the hold on, Jeff. The fact that he could be this year's Austin Eckler. Potentially, but when do you ever feel good about playing Alexander Madison? Half the time you put him in the line, in your roster, let's say you flex Alexander Madison, you could get that sweet game where he gets the 11 carries and breaks off two touchdowns and breaks a big one, or he has that game where he has like seven touches for 22 yards, and that's it. Yeah. Like, sometimes those guys... I, at least for me, I find they hurt me more than they help me unless the situation breaks properly because they have these weeks that entice you to be like, oh, wow, I can play him. He's all right, but he's not safe or trustworthy whatsoever where someone like Murray is. You're never playing him unless he's in his smash spot. That's, I mean, that's my personal preference. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. What do you make of the two, Brad? Well, look, I think there was an elephant in the room that we need to discuss here, and it's COVID, to be honest with you guys, because, you know, this plays into a narrative that I've been preaching time and time again over Sirius XM here in recent weeks is we're in unprecedented times, right? And at some point this season, a superstar of fantasy, maybe two or three, maybe even more than that, are going to test positive for coronavirus, and they're going to disappear for two to three weeks. So, the enormity, and I cannot understate this, or really overstate, I should say, uh, the enormity of the impacts of this leads to adding more depth in your fantasy league. I think it's a necessity. I think a lot of commissioners out there are going to have to have flexible IR spots to, you know, maybe two to three when these instances arise. And, you know, maybe adding a couple of bench spots as well to the overall roster size to combat this is going to be imperative because there's going to be so much week-in, week-out turnover that I fear that, you know, occasionally a guy like Latavius Murray, as you mentioned, when he is thrust in those situations, God forbid, you know, Alvin Kamara comes down with COVID, but it could happen. And if Murray is, you know, put into the situation where he is the main man, as Jeff mentioned last season, as a Bears fan, I remember that game in which you went for like 150-plus combined yards and a couple of touchdowns, did that in consecutive weeks. He could be a real diamond in the rough. And depending upon where it lands of the fantasy calendar, he could be the difference of you hoisting the hardware or you being eliminated in the fantasy postseason. So that's something else to really keep in mind, given the current times and circumstances in the world as a whole. There are four running backs with over 1,400 yards and eight touchdowns in each of the past two seasons. It is Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and Joe Mixon, Brad. You, you say you were out on Joe Mixon? I think everybody's a little too bullish on him right now. I mean, I'm seeing him like RB6, RB7. I think at that number six spot uh, that Jeff was talking about, it's a little bit tricky. Uh, you're getting pinched hold a little bit. You know, where do you go? Do you go wide receiver with like a Devontae Adams like Ratcliffe did? Maybe go to a Julio Jones at that point. Though he's got the low touchdown yield downside. Or do you go with a viable workhorse, which Joe Mixon is? You know, he is a rare breed in this time of RBBCs. You know, a true Clydesdale who had 313 touches last season. You hope the offensive line is improved. Really only got one direction to go. They were number 31 in run blocking efficiency, according to PFF last season. Uh, you got Joe Burrow there. So now you've got more core competency, at least we hope, off a historic season in which Burrow had 122-plus passer rating at his lowest point on short field throws. And he was even better in intermediate throws and beyond. Number one in total air yards at the FBS level, a 60-6 to six touchdown interception split. You love the savvy. You love the swagger that he has. Uh, and the smarts as well as, you know, Callahan, the offensive coordinator there, said this offseason, he's really absorbed this system like a sponge in these Zoom sessions. <laughs> I like the setup. I, I just I just think it's a little too rich. I would prefer a Derrick Henry. I prefer a Kenyon Drake. Uh, there's a couple other guys you have way down on your list here, Mayo, that I got a bone to pick with. Uh, Austin Eckler I'd rather have, and I'd rather have Josh Jacobs. 
I just think the environments with all those running backs a little bit higher up, fewer unknowns and those tied to the Queen City for one Joe Mixon. Well, one good thing about this fantasy football season, when you're rattling off stats, Brad, you don't need to reference this acronym or that acronym. You can just say FTN data from now on. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm going to pull all that stuff from FTN data. Uh, Jeff, where are you at with, actually, let's talk about Devontae Adams. Cause you said you took him at six. I have him at number six. I think that there is a huge gap between Thomas Adams and the rest of the receivers. Do you see it the same way? Or are you putting Julio into that mix as well? Uh, I'm putting Julio into that mix. Julio is phenomenal. He's not going to score double digit touchdowns and you don't need to hate him for that. <laughs> there are a lot of people who do. He's a guy who is going to see 150 plus targets. He could, you know, push triple digit catches. He could push 1500 receiving yards. So I think you have to put him in that territory. Now he does have something though, that Adams doesn't have. And that's a viable competitor for targets in Calvin Ridley. Adams has no one. Sorry, Packers fans. You got AJ Dillon. You got Jordan love. You didn't get a number two receiver for Adams. And that's actually a good thing for Adams. And there's a couple moving parts here that I think are really fascinating. So first and foremost, I fully expect Aaron Jones to display some pretty heavy touchdown regression. And let me be clear, before you pick up, start tweeting me and yelling at me, Packers fans. I'm not talking about uh, he's going to get worse. I'm saying he was wildly efficient last year, and it's unsustainable. So what ends up happening is there's that, you know, seesaw pendulum type effect. Those touchdowns go away from the run game. They come, pa come back to the passing game. And now we see Devontae Adams back into his double digit touchdown territory or close to it. I haven't projected at eight touchdowns, which is relatively conservative given the volume that I have him at this season. So I, I love Adams and real quick about uh, bro Mixon, We do have to say he could hold out too. And that is a viable yeah. concern that we also need to, to have in the mix. And that's been pushing him down into the second round for me. From a talent standpoint, I think he's phenomenal. He played very well last year down the stretch on a team that stunk, which is historically bad for running backs. He was lights out down the stretch. So I believe in him. I just don't know if he's going to hold out. So the big thing with the holdouts right now, I would be less concerned about it if I was drafting in July. The longer this goes on before there's a resolution, the further these guys are going to fall down my draft boards. But with, with the COVID problems right now, there could be something going on with the CBA for all we know to – you know, try to force people through, get them to play. Maybe they just, if they're going to say we're going to hold out, maybe they don't want to go join the bubble. We just don't know so much right now that a month from now, we could really kind of hammer it down that with Cook and with Mixon, they're going to stay down in this territory and keep dropping until they actually get back on the field. But where we are two months out, there's a lot that can happen to get them back onto the field. But first, I actually have a uh, Alan Lazard, Jeff, and Devin Funches on a three-way call, and they say, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, hey, I, I don't even think those guys would draft themselves in a fantasy league right now. Alan Lazard, pride of Iowa State, lo love what he did there. Love the fact that he stepped up and, and was actually able to outplay three guys who were drafted and he was not drafted that year. But I don't buy it. I, I simply don't buy it. If anything, maybe there's some hope for Jay Sternberger to really take a step forward. But even him, I think that would be a little bit of a surprise. It's just all Devontae every week. Uh, he could he could be right there with uh, with Thomas. He's not going to out, outpace Thomas in terms of targets, but he's going to be right up there. He's going to have a big year. So 
Brad, one of the big things I like about Mixon, obviously I have Drake one spot behind him, but I still think that there is a bit of an unknown with Drake. He kind of reminds me, maybe it's because all ex-Dolphins running backs are exactly the same, but we got so fired up when Lamar Miller went to Houston. Look at what he did with the Dolphins. Look at his efficiency. Now he has all this volume. Look what he can do. And as it turns out that you gave him triple the touches and he did exactly the same thing. Now we've seen what Drake can do in a limited sample with this Cardinals offense, but do you think he can sustain that over 16 games and the fact that he has this increased workload that all of a sudden he is the guy? I think he is, but I do think that there's more risk involved with him than Joe Mixon. That's why I have Mixon above him. Yeah, I just like the environment better for Kenny Drake. I just think he fits this Cliff Kingsbury brand of air raid uh, to a T. Uh, you saw it last season. And, you know, people will say, oh, that offensive line is woeful. But the, the beauty of the air raid is spacing. And the offensive line, um, um, offensive linemen are set a little bit further apart uh, to create some of those angles, whether for the running quarterback, in this case, Kyler Murray on an RPO, or if he puts the ball in the belly of one Kenyon Drake, you know, Kenyon Drake saw some of the lowest number of stack fronts. Eight or more men in the box is tracked by NFL Next Gen Stats last season. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, it wasn't entirely limited. I mean, it was half the regular season. It was eight games. And again, he averaged north of 100 combined yards per game. He was averaging a touchdown per contest as well. Uh, and you got Chase Edmonds there. So it's not like Kenyon Drake has to go out and get 25 touches in a game and drive himself into the ground because of the, the laborious situation. Uh, he's got Edmonds there to spell him some six to eight times per game. If we can keep him in that 17, 18 touch per game wheelhouse, he's a guy that I think can really have some peak efficient weeks and be a king of consistency. So, you know, is he going to get you know to that level where he was on pace last year, over 1,600 combined yards and the 16 touchdowns? Probably not. But is he going to catch 50 plus balls? Check. I think so. And I think 1,300 combined yards, at least seven to nine touchdowns. I think that's the floor for him. And one of my favorite player prop bets out there is on DraftKings right now. And it's Kenyon Drake rush yards, guys. It's 1,000.5. And it's minus 110 in either direction, meaning put $110 down and get 100 in return. I, you know, I understand injury is going to play into this. Uh, and hopefully the injury imp isn't going to be snacking on any of his lower extremities. But good Lord, have mercy. If Kenyon Drake does average 17 touches per game, which I think is a foregone conclusion when he is healthy, he's going to obliterate the over on 1,000.5 yards. And, you know, one of myriad reasons why I love him as a turn pick in a 12-team draft. Jeff, Brad just hit on something really interesting. I don't know if you guys have anything cooking at Fade the Noise about this sort of prop angle, but everyone by and large, just likes to bet overs. Overs are fun to root for. Hey, my guy just rushed for 85 yards. Hey, he's, you know, he's almost 10% of the way to his rushing total prop for the season. But if you bet the unders, especially at a volatile position with so many injuries like running back, do you think he'd just be better smashing all the unders? Well, I am smashing the under on this one. I haven't projected at 826 rushing yards. Oh. And I think the thing that, that a lot of people forget about Kenyon Drake is sure he may have won you your fantasy championship. He was awesome in week 15. He was awesome in week 16. You know what? He stunk in week 10, week 11, week 13, and week 14. They had to buy there in week 12, or else he probably would have stunk that week too. That's the problem. He averaged 3.4 yards per carry those weeks. He was almost unstartable for a good chunk of that time. This is Kenyon Drake. You know, we're not going to teach an old dog new tricks. Yes, he has a high ceiling. We've seen it. We saw it in Miami. This is where I'm, I'm concerned, right? I am totally happy taking Kenyon Drake towards the back end of the second round. 
No problem with that. But I think a lot of people are going to end up taking him in the first round because of positional scarcity. And then come, I don't know, week five, week six, week seven, they're going to be pulling their hair out at the wild inconsistencies of Kenyon Drake. And this is just what he is. So be careful with Drake and also absolutely hammering that under. There's a psychological factor there, right? Sports books know people love overs. People love to bet favorites. People love to bet overs. And in a lot of instances, the line is juiced up a little bit because of that fact. And I don't know, a thousand yards, that that feels like it's pushing it a little bit. 17 touches feels like it's pushing it a little bit. I think it's probably more like 14 touches. And those three per game start to add up for me. At least that's where I am with my projections. So he was fifth last season in fantasy points per touch of all running backs with a minimum of 150 carries. So I do like that part. And I agree with you. He's going to be boomer bust. Hell, if you wanted to go like Kenyon Drake, Tyree kill with your first two picks, you're going to win a lot of weeks just based on the strength of those two guys upside. If you can live with the downside, it was like when people used to draft Deshaun Jackson year after year, he'd have seven really big games. And then like four games that were okay. And three games where he had like zero points. If you can learn to live with these guys. And yes, you probably want more consistency out of your first round pick. But if you know, he can hit that, upside if you think that this is the year that he's going to put it all together for let's say 65 percent of those games i'm still good with it in that spot i want to go 11 to 20 though number 11 on the list right now miles sanders followed by fournette julio and tyreek nick chubb clyde edwards hilarious travis kelsey george kittle kenny galladay and then todd Gurley at number 20 brad you said you got problems with this issue or this range i want to hear them yeah, I got major problems here, Mayo. I absolutely adore you. I want to be a Canadian citizen, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Really this high? Are we going to buy into this narrative right now? Here's the, the bone that I got to pick with you, and this is the one thing that um, really disturbs me, is the amount of dissing, the sliding, the unfairness that is being thrown at one Damian Williams. Do we not remember what happened from weeks nine all the way through the Super Bowl? Let me jog your memory, uh, memory over a game. Uh, or stretch of games of eight, 10 touchdowns, 98 total yards per game, off the charts in terms of missed tackle rate, off the charts in terms of yards after contact per attempt. He's in a contract year. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen some articles at The Athletic. Nate Taylor, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs, was asked recently, hey, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the backfield distribution here in KC? And Taylor said, look, from what I've gathered from my sources and talking to some of the coaches, he goes, I think it's going to be a 70-30 split out of the gate. Damian Williams is CEH. And he goes, even at its peak where it's going to be the tightest, he said 55-45, Damian to CEH. So if you go back last year and you just do the simple math, the amount of touches accumulated by running backs in this offense, 400 even. So it's really easy math. You're talking about then CEH at a 30% workload all the way up to a 45% workload is a 9 to 12, 12 and a half touch per game rusher. Special talent. Love the guy. Obviously, he's drawing rave reviews. Andy Reid copying him to Brian Westbrook. But he's a year away from a breakout. Damian Williams is not going to go quietly. I know he had a little bit of a rocky road. I know he's uh, you know been a delicacy of the injury imp. I get all that. But this is a guy that's going to make some serious noise, and I'd much rather have him at RB30, RB31, where he's going in average drafts, than overpaying, paying peak value, essentially, for Edward Solaire, who's basically to be a change of pace option within, yes, the best offense in the league. Much rather have Austin Eckler, much rather have a Josh Jacobs, and an Aaron Jones as well. I think people are dismissing Aaron Jones. 
uh, just because of A.J. Dillon's presence. Again, Aaron Jones, another contract year guy. They're going to drive into the ground. He's got to see some regression in touchdowns. But I still think he's a double-digit TD back in the end. I still think he's going to get, you know, 15 to 17 touches per game. And A.J. Dillon is only going to be used sporadically. Aaron Jones will go off at greener pastures after this season. And then it's the party, the coming-out party for A.J. Dillon. It's not going to happen this year, barring, of course, injuries that are always at play. But sorry, man. And, and then Todd Gurley, that high? You know he's got an arthritic knee, Mayo. Oh. I don't trust him. Oh, too bad for Todd Gurley. Just wait until he, like, triples his catch him out this year in Atlanta. Like, they've if he can stay healthy and on the field, I don't need him to be Pete Gurley. I just need him to be a guy on the field who gets his 25 touches a game. And then all of a sudden, no, yeah, he's no longer catching 31 balls. He's back up to catching like 60 per year. There's no Devonta Freeman around. They're just going to dump it off to Gurley the entire time. He owns this goal line. And I mean, if you want to put it, print out an ADP sheet next to the rankings, you could probably get Gurley in round later after where I have him ranked. I think he makes a very yeah. fine running back to this season, but I'm not going to wait and pass on Clyde Edwards Hilaire in this spot. I mean, if you want to go back and do your second half draft from last year and win your league in the past, that's fine with me. You don't go out and draft this sort of talent in the first round, lock him up for that extra fifth year to have concussion master Damian Williams handle the brunt of the workload. And Jeff, am I crazy to think that when all the running backs are healthy, there is no 70-30 split on the Chiefs. There's the guy, and then there's the other guys. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be the guy. Well, I, I think so, but not out of the gate. And and that's the, the big challenge here, why I may not have him as high as you. I have him as a third-round pick. You're not getting him. I don't trust Damian Williams whatsoever. We were, we, didn't we go down this road last year? Do we not learn Sure, he got hot down the stretch. Great. He's James Starks, right? Great. Awesome. I'm not buying into that whatsoever. I, I, I'm passing up on him because, you know, teams can tell you whatever they want at the podium. Teams can tell you whatever they want in an interview, but they can't lie with their personnel decisions. And, Pat, I believe – spot on. Spot on. You do not draft a running back in the first round if you love the running back you have incumbent. You draft a, a day two or a day three guy – they they were trying to address this running back room last year. They were so uh, confident in Damian Williams that they went out and signed Lashawn McCoy. You know they they just no, show no confidence in him along the way. That being said, I do think a lot of folks are going to reach on on Edwards Alaire in the second round, and they're going to be really ticked off in September. But just remember, be patient with this one because the cream rises and young running backs are typically the pathway to fantasy championships. And I will say this, just put on cherry on top of the study with Ratcliffe in that last point. Here's what you do. You bypass Edwards Hilaire at his very bullish ADP, and then you take advantage of the frustrated. You take advantage of the people who were, you know, very haughty in their perspective of him, and I've all of a sudden turned meek. So, you know, at the end of September, maybe week five or so, week six, if it lingers in October, get him on the cheap. And then mm -hmm. saddle up that horse for the second half of the season because if a breakout does occur, that's when it's going to happen. I find that decisions like that are easy to make on paper, but if someone spends a second-round draft capital on him, just trying to pry him away at like a sell, like a buy low style, I find is really hard on expensive players because people get attached to the draft capital that they actually spent on them. Well, yeah, I, I think there are people that refuse to give up. I mean, look at me for crying out loud last year. Hashtag mandatory Montgomery. I was convinced that the breakout was going to happen. He had like one great game. I remember, I think like week nine, week 10, I'm like, here it is. 
this boy's going to get blazing hot. And then that locomotive continued to derail uh, over the rest of the season, even though he was getting the volume, the Bears offense as a whole was a mess. Now this is Kansas city. This is not an apples to apple situation, but you know, I think you will be able to get him maybe 75 cents on the dollar come week five or six. If he is indeed outside the RB two class, even in a PPR setting, which I think is a very realistic outcome for CEH. Jeff, Kelsey at 17, Kittle at 18. I think Kittle is the one who stands to benefit the most if Debo is going to miss the first few weeks of the season. Everyone's kind of pumping up Brandon Ayuk now. I think it's just more of that just goes to Kittle and running. If that's going to be the case, I I don't really see a point of drafting Ayuk, at least at this juncture. But if those are the two tight ends and those two are way better than everyone else, and I do think that there is a substantial gap between these two and Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz and the rest, that having a premium tight end with the way that receivers break down in fantasy football drafts this season if you didn't want to draft a receiver till rounds four five and six and that's how you built up your core I think you could get three pretty reasonable players with gigantic upside if the route that you wanted to take was that like it I'm seeing like Lamar Jackson go at the end of the second round Patrick Mahomes in the third round I'd rather have one of these tight ends I I I hear you I mean I have Kelsey at 21 uh, I have Kittle at 25. So third round, early third round grade on, on Kittle in a 12 team or Kelsey late second. The thing about it though, and, and I agree, they are clearly in that top tier. It's them and then it's everybody else. And I love Brandon Ayuk, by the way. I think he's so yeah. fun to watch, but I also agree, not worth drafting in a regular size league this year, but he is so athletic, so fun. Uh, regardless, what I've been finding though is there's a better spot for value. You know, in our one of our mocks for uh, FTN, I ended up getting Darren Waller in the eighth round. Like people just sort of fall asleep once you get to around six, seven, eight at tight end. And my goal is always to find the guy who's, you know, the best value in that range. It often isn't Waller. I was surprised he fell, but Evan Ingram, who I think is poised for a big year if he could just stay healthy in that offense. Uh, Tyler Higby. Gerald Everett isn't a thing. Everybody out there who wants to use the Everett argument, the genie is out of the bottle on Tyler Higby. This dude is a monster and they're going to use him. And that off that offense is tailor made for, for his skill set. And then even somebody like Hunter Henry, I'm not as big on Henry with Terod Taylor under center, but once Herbert gets in there, I think it actually would help Henry a little bit. It's not going to be Philip rivers uh, caliber. I would have Henry several spots ahead, but that's what I'm aiming to do. I'm aiming to hammer running back and wide receiver in those early rounds and and then scoop that value at tight end because there is going to be value in the six, seven, eight round range, depending on who's there, as opposed to taking that guy. And let's remember, you know, there every year we see a guy take that next step forward. Which one of these guys, if it, you know, is one of these guys going to be an elite guy by the end of the year? That could very well happen with any of those names. Waller was right there last year. I mean, the guy finished second in fantasy scoring at the position last season, monster upside. So I'm passing on those guys. I agree. You know, you can rank them in this range, but I'm not going to take them in that range. All right. So the 21 to 30, this is where it gets interesting for me. I like to play to win. So I'm not here trying to hit a bunch of singles or draw a walk. I'm swinging for the fences or I'm striking out. That's how every year that I have the most success playing fantasy. And that means winning leagues. It's taking gambles on players with massive upsides. It does not work out every single year but as it turns out you could have the optimal draft strategy 
and not even come close to winning every single year. But, you know, every second year, every third year, you just have the nuts and you end up winning. And that's what you're looking for. At least that's how my philosophy of drafting goes. And this is what this range reflects with some of these receivers, 21 to 30. Number 21 is Brad's boy, Austin Eckler, who I have concerns about. But Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark, Mike Evans, Aaron Jones. I worry about Aaron Jones just in split with Devontae Adams was not great. Uh, He did most of his damage when Devontae Adams was not around. That would worry me. But Brad, with Austin Eckler, I just worry about Tyrod. Tyrod is not a huge fan of just dumping it off to the running back. He is a huge fan of putting the ball down and running it for himself. Uh, Are we convinced of that? I mean, if you go back and look at some of the data of what Tyrod Taylor did with the Buffalo Bills when he had Shady McCoy in the backfield, you know, McCoy in back-to-back seasons, top 50 receptions. Now, I I will say this. Austin Eckler's not going to catch another 90-plus balls. That's not going to happen. But Steichen in this pistol formation, which they want to lean more of a conservative approach this season. Yeah, they brought in Joshua Kelly via the draft UCLA. We'll see what he can do. Uh, I like Justin Jackson as kind of a late round stab, going to be a change of pace guy within this offense, kind of the power back. But Austin Eckler is an absolute stud muffin uh, when it comes to some of the advanced data that's out there. And just through the eye test alone, not only is he a pure pass catcher out of the backfield and just a force to reckon with in the open field, but he's a guy who's, you know, really tough between the pipes, you know, appreciable yak, appreciable missed tackle percentage. You know, you go back weeks one through five when Melvin Gordon was pouting in street clothes and watching, you know, from afar since he didn't sign on the dotted line to the holdout. And the guy was an elite, you know, top three fantasy performer. Now, is he going to be at that level? Probably not. But this offensive line, I think, is better than advertised. And when you have a, quote, unquote, dual threat quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, and he's not the most accurate. He's more like a David Garrard type. If you want to kind of go old school there. Uh, it, it'll be enough to, to keep defenses honest. And I think he you know, will ultimately benefit Austin Eckler's production in the end. So, you know, if he gets 16, 18 touches per game, uh, which approximately he averaged uh, right around 11 or 12 touches per game under Steichen, working in concert with Melvin Gordon uh, over the second half of the season last year. He was RB10 with a limited workload within this same scheme. So I, I think he can duplicate that with these. That's why I have him ranked right now at precisely RB10, whether you're talking about a half point PPR or full point PPR. Again, there will be some regression, but I would not discount Austin Eckler uh, because of Steichen and because of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Jeff, I just worry about the lack of Phillip Rivers and the blood dump offense is really just going to have a, such a negative impact on, A, keeping drives going like they were able to do, uh, just run the amount of small plays for catches for like four or five yards that Eckler would pile up over the course of a game before breaking a big one. And uh, maybe my recollection is off, but just in my mind, Tyrod with the Bills, he had more of a vertical game than I think a lot of people will remember. It's not this underneath stuff. Yeah, it's not a heavy volume vertical game, though. That's that's the other thing about Tyrod Taylor. You know, so if anything, yeah, you have a little bit of hope for some Mike Williams deep balls like we saw last year. But I'm just not convinced that Tyrod Taylor even gets out of September as the starter. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't draft a kid that high and then sit on him. Remember last year. Daniel Jones drafted very high. Everybody's like, well, Eli's still the starter. Yeah, that lasted a couple weeks and that was it. I, I don't I don't think it's gonna take very long for Herbert to assume those duties. This team wants to look forward to the future. And I think that will, you know, if anything, it's not gonna help Eckler per se, but maybe it, it eliminates some of the concerns that you have there. Now I have him at eleven. Um, so, you know, for me, I think this is a fair range to take him in. Uh 
totally no issue with that. What I do have to take issue with here, though, is, wow, Bobby Woods ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, ahead of Allen Robinson. Uh, how many spots ahead of Cooper Cup? Wow, that is very bullish on Bob Woods. I mean, we, we talked about regression earlier. We're going to see a, a few more touchdowns, and I'm not convinced Higby's going to be a thing. I think a lot of that's just going to be Robert Woods. I think that there was a lot of throwing people off the scent a little bit, playing so many 12 packages with Sean McVay last year. I think we'll see a scale back to what they used to do well. You even see they went out and they drafted another wide receiver after getting rid of Brandon Cooks. Oh, we're going to elevate up Josh Reynolds. Oh, here's Van Jefferson, too. He can find a He can fill in for one of these rules too if someone else goes down i think we're going to see a return to a lot of three wide receiver sets and i think that robert woods is the one guy that never comes off the field for him a lot of it has to do with his blocking prowess you need to have him out there if you're going to have a modicum of a running game i just think that he's very good he's a crisp route runner and that's what jared goff needs the guy who's going to be at the spot the moment they need it i'm very high on robert woods clearly you don't need to take robert woods at number 23 you could probably take him to like 42 or something like that but this whole range of guys is where i want to be at now Someone like DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know. We just talked about the air raid, how good that can be for the running game, but we're, I'm, I think that we're all kind of convinced that Chase Edmonds will play a very minor role and Drake will be the guy in the backfield. In this passing game, I can where we are so used to seeing so much consistency from DeAndre Hopkins week after week after week, Jeff, I just don't know if that volume is going to be there on a consistent basis. It could just be, hey, it's a Christian Kirk week because they decided to shade with a safety over the top on DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, Andy Isabella was wide open. We'll just throw to him instead. Like It's almost like the Drew Brees communist offense that everyone gets a piece. <laughs> I, I i mean true but you're, you're you're talking about a gravitational force here in deandre hopkins he's gonna demand the ball he's gonna be open he's obviously a fabulous player and the beauty to him is he can work every part of the field christian kirk is a low adoc guy who's not going to do any damage downfield larry fitzgerald obviously is going to do a lot of the same and while andy andy isabella did have a relatively high a dot at the college level at umass for a slot receiver, I don't see him doing much of that either. I, I wish my dynasty shares of Hakeem Butler are hurting right now. I wish they would figure out a way to get this guy on the field this year, but I don't see it necessarily happening. I, I like Hopkins. I mean, I don't see that much of a drop off at all from last year. Maybe a I, I'm a tick below. I'm projected at uh, 94 catches. He had 104 last year. Little, you know, the efficiency is pretty solid at 12.6. I have an ADOT at 11.6 yards, so not a massive ADOT, but still solid enough. I, I can't take him ahead of, of Bob Woods. And by the way, Van Jefferson is coming off of one of the most lackluster college careers. I, I don't know how he got drafted. And you say they drafted another wide receiver. No, they only have four wide receivers on the team. They needed to draft a wide receiver, and they went with Van Jefferson. He didn't even have a breakout uh, season of 20-plus dominator rating. He didn't have a single one of those in his college career. That is typically a very bad sign for receivers at the pro level. That being said, he does have an opportunity because there's nobody else there. So the guys ask, so Woods, then Hopkins, then I get Brad, I go, Allen Robinson, Thielen, McLaurin, Chark. I look at those four guys, and you can say, listen, I, I don't mind Anthony Miller this year, but clearly Robinson's the guy. Uh, we can project as much as we want uh, onto Jefferson, but you know, we, we have a situation here where Adam Thielen's the man without digs around. Terry McLaurin, like, legit has no one. 
uh, what are we going to go? Is, is Gibson really going to play that big of a role? Is Steve Sims Jr. really going to get into it? Does he have a quarterback? <laughs> I, I don't mind Dwayne Haskins as someone who could potentially get better. We made this mistake with Jared Goff after year one. It's not that Jared Goff's any good. He just wasn't a disaster like he was in year what we saw from a rookie from him, he got a lot better. I think we can see the same thing. And I'm playing volume with all these guys, Chark included. Like, yeah. he clearly separated himself from the rest of the Jags receiver. And I'm a big DD guy. That really hurts me. But I think that one of these guys or two of these guys is going to break into the top 10 this year based on volume alone. Yeah, look, I want to focus my attention on Allen Robinson because what he has done with such crappy quarterback play is astonishing to me. It is mind-blowing. I mean, you go back to his college days, Matt McGloin, Christian freaking Hackenberg. Those are his quarterbacks <laughs> at Penn State. And then you come to the league and be like, all right, great. I'm, I'm going to be in the pros. They're going to give me somebody that's at least semi-competent, and I'm going to start rolling. No, you get Chad Henney, bro. And then we're going to give you Blake Bortles. And then you get Mitchell Trubisky. And then you get Chase Daniel on top of it. Now more than likely he's going to have Nick Foles. And it's probably the best quarterback who's ever thrown wounded ducks in his general direction his entire career. So and Allen Robinson still posting sick numbers. He's one of the most efficient running backs or wide receivers, excuse me, across the board, whether you're looking at uh, man coverage, whether you're looking at zone coverage, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever route it is, he seems to win those one-on-one, -on -one, those contested catch situations with regularity. And, you know, he's the main man within this Bears scheme. You know, Anthony Miller has drawn some buzz this offseason. The Bears have a menagerie of tight ends. I think they have roughly like 99 on roster. We'll see what happens there. I still can't believe they played uh, Jimmy Graham, 9 million guaranteed, and his washed-up corpse that he is. But Allen Robinson's going to be a stud. And I'm on record for saying this, guys, and I'm going to quadruple down on it. I think when the dust settles come the end of December, and hold on to something because this is going to be a hot, spicy take, I would not be shocked if he pushed Michael Thomas for number two overall value among fantasy wide receivers if Nick Foles can deliver, again, at least routinely competent outputs on a week-in, week-out basis. That's how talented Allen Robinson is. That's how locked in and featured he is within this bear scheme. And I also love Adam Thielen. I think it could be, if we can get 16 games, if you can guarantee that out of him, it's going to be a 100-catch season for him this year in Minnesota. So, Jeff, you've now heard Brad guarantee Allen Robinson is the number two receiver overall. I didn't say. I didn't that's, throw that, that's what I took for that. That's what I, you want spicy I, takes? You have to live with the spicy results of what you've said, Brad. And right, that's how I've right. chosen to interpret that. And I have McLaurin and Shark up there. I'm in love with these two guys, Jeff. How insane are, well, Brad probably less insane than me with some of these rankings. But am I shooting too much for the stars with this? I think a little bit. Yeah. And by the way, Brad, I just tweeted that out. So <laughs> it's on record. <laughs> Bring it um, on, baby. Bring I kid, I kid. But uh, yeah, I think it's a little too bullish. McLaurin had, uh, you know, obviously the longer touchdowns last year. Shark was a monster out, out, out of the gate, but then faded a little bit down the stretch. So, and to be fair, both of them were very good. It's not a knock on those guys. I just can't put them ahead of Mike Evans, who's been one of the most underrated awesome wideouts in the league never has had under a thousand yards receiving in any season there are very few players in nfl history who could say that through six years uh i can't put them ahead of dj moore who was phenomenal after september last year i can't put him ahead of odell beckham jr who i know i know people are are you know not going to draft him again after last year i get it I love that mindset, by the way. If it's the, oh, I'm never going to draft him again. Sure. 
do that because I'll take him at value all day long. Can't put him ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster because I still buy into the fact that he's a number one receiver in a potent offense. You know, there's a lot of guys there that you have ahead. Even Amari Cooper, I'm not bullish on Amari Cooper, but I would still put him ahead of those guys. That being said, if I have, you know, if I'm looking at uh, 20 wideouts or all, I'm shooting for that high ceiling that you were talking about earlier, then absolutely DJ Chark has a high ceiling. Absolutely uh, Terry McLaurin has a high ceiling. And by the way, they did draft Antonio, Antonio Gandy-Golden, which is a mouthful right there. Antonio Gibson may end up playing running back for them. He's very Ty Montgomery-esque. But um, Gandy-Golden's an interesting deeper name. And then they do have Kelvin Harmon from last year. Kelvin Harmon's like Mo Sanu 2, 2.0. Oh, please. Um, I'd, rather, but, I'd rather have Brad's buddy Matt Harmon than Kelvin Harmon. Give me a break. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's, there's no upside with those guys. McLaurin's the guy with the upside. And the beauty, by the way, is he does face some, some bad defenses in terms of secondaries multiple times a year, you know, especially Philly who he torched last year. So you get that little added benefit there. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't end up getting slayed in all of this. But I, I just I appreciate that they're going to be down by a ton at all times and constantly be chucking. That's a very appealing situation for me. The thing with Mike Evans, if Jameis was still the quarterback, I'd have him much higher. Like He had three games over 225 air yards last year. Only seven guys in the league got over 225. Mike Evans had three of those games. The last time Tom Brady threw to one guy for over 225 air yards in a single game was like 2012 with Brandon Lloyd. Like, but he, wow. I mean, over that span of time, who is he throwing to? Maybe Tom, like, even Brandon Cooks. It's like, I don't really care. He's he hasn't had a receiver of this caliber in. I mean, maybe going back and obviously Mike Evans is not in Randy Moss's territory, but that type of receiver he hasn't had since then. So I don't know if we can just simply say Tom Brady didn't do it. Therefore, he can't do it. I would be willing to take a lot of unders on Tampa and Tom Brady in this offense this year, Brad. Interesting. Oh, what about, hey, I got one for you, Mayo. What about 29 and a half passing touchdowns? That's what the line is right now on DK. Well, I mean, I'd probably take the over on that because Gronk's going to have 30. So that's tough. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bold number. I have him at 24 passing touchdowns. That's a really bold number. I'd hammer that under. It just seems to me like eventually you're too old. Not to say that he's going to be bad, but it just appears like, oh my God, look at these receivers, Bruce Arians. They're going to go down the field. Like maybe Tom Brady just isn't equipped to do this anymore. Well, he was QB nine in deep ball passer rating last season. So I I tend to side with Ratcliffe. I, I still think he can unleash down the field and it's just pitch and catch with a guy who was a phenomenal high school basketball player. That's what Mike Evans was. He could really climb the ladder. Uh, if you check out his YouTube highlights, I mean, he was a dunking machine. So he's going to win a lot of those one-on-one uh, battles, high-pointing the football. Then you got Chris Godwin. Then you got Gronk. Uh, hopefully my guy Keyshawn Vaughn's going to win the gig out of training camp and be that James White type underneath. I mean, it's a loaded offense. And they added Tristan Wirfs as well. The rich got richer in the NFL draft. So I think this offensive line is going to adequately protect him as well. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, Tom Brady's got just a phenomenal – arsenal around him and i think mike evans even though i'm a little bit down on him too mayo i think he's you know probably gonna exceed our expectations in the end well maybe he's going off as a better value than chris godwin right now i guess my case against mike evans would be i just don't think that there's going to be enough to go around for him to hit a fantasy ceiling and maybe godwin's a guy who gets left out not evans but the way that i look at it jeff is godwin doesn't really drop the ball that's going to go a long way with tom brady is you can just throw it in this guy's direction and he's 
going to catch it. And then when you get into the red zone, you have the big body and Mike Evans down there. You can just throw it up to him. He's going to go catch it. But they bring in Gronk, who already is in simpatico with Tom Brady, presumably. He's also a bigger body and is like Mr. Red Zone. Like I, I can just see him getting capped so easily. I mean, I could see that, but I do think there's enough meat on the bone to go around for all of these guys. And I, I do feel for for Mike Evans. I mean, you know, the drops thing I think is overstated. Just it's just because his A dot's so far downfield. I mean, Michael Thomas is a phenomenal receiver, but part of that uh, doesn't drop it. You know, it doesn't drop the football. It, it's helped by the fact that he's targeted so close to the line of scrimmage. I mean, Mike Evans is a guy who's routinely targeted well over 15 yards downfield on average. Last year was 15.7. The year before that, 16.5. Some more. You know, you're going to drop more of those balls. That's just part of the game. I don't know how Tom Brady reacts to that, though. Of course, that's a different story. But I, I still see, like, you know, the big playoff side out of him, Brady taking shots to him downfield. For me, though, the real key, and, and going back to something you said at the very beginning of the show, Pat, my that my guy, who's the guy you have to have? I don't have that guy. I have to have value at every single one of my picks. And the thing about Mike Evans right now is the widespread perception of him has created this very nice value. You know, you get Mike Evans in the late third, I will do that all day long. You data scientist and your value and your numbers. <laughs> Give me Terry McLaurin. Come on. <laughs> in that offense. Nothing wrong with Terry McLaurin. Right, listen, okay, here's my last case against the Tampa offense. I think a lot of their numbers got juiced up last season because Jameis was a big fan of throwing the two pick sixes, getting them down by a bunch, and then having to throw the entire game? What if Brady just doesn't turn the ball over and they can just run inefficient offense and win games? Well, then it means Keyshawn Vaughn's got to cash in on my plus 300 wager against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with uh, Kevin Adams and the rest of the FTN crew. So I hope that happens. <laughs> I mean, we'll just watch it be Ronald Jones. I can't block Ronald Jones. He's been taking Zoom meetings on how to block. He's fine now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see it in practice. We'll see. Uh, very quickly through this 31 to 40 range this is where I have the two quarterbacks popping up. And even I'm torn on this one. I can be talked off of it, but it's Josh Jacobs at 31. You want to catch some passes, Josh? That'd be nice. Uh, James Conner, James Conner, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, 34 and 35, Carson, Jonathan Taylor, DJ Moore, Odell, Juju, and then it's more receivers after that. A.J. Brown, T.Y. Hilton, D.K. Metcalf, Amari Cooper. Don't like Amari Cooper this year. Uh, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, Devin Singletary, Kyler Murray, who I loves, James White, I vaulted up after the Cam News, and then Cooper yeah. Cup at number 50. Brad, the quarterbacks, I don't like taking quarterbacks early. I don't think anyone really preaches that they like doing that, but these guys are going very highly. I don't expect Lamar to have the season that he had last year, but if you're going to take him, you probably need to take him higher than this. So this is sort of a coward's way out for me is that he's going to go before this. So he's never going to fall to this point. So I'm never going to take him. But I do think that with the way, like I mentioned, like the McLaurins of the world and the Charks of the world, they're going in the forties, like the late forties and overall drafting, just because I have someone ranked at 27. Doesn't mean you need to spend your early third round pick on them. If they're going to be there in the next round, you can risk that, uh, that, if you wanted to take a tight end with two running backs or one of these quarterback with two running backs, I think it's feasible that you could still build a strong enough receiving core to get away with it if you wanted to. 
Yeah, there's extreme depth at the wide receiver position. There's no question about it. I mean, just based on the list here, I'm like, you're obviously extremely bearish. Uh, you're zigging while others are zagging on Cooper Cup, you know, off a 10 touchdown campaign. He was the apple of the eye of Jared Goff inside the red zone last season. We'll see if that's sustainable, but I think he's, you know, his floor is probably 85, 90 catches within this Rams offense. It was number one in total pass attempts last season. You know, in terms of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, they're going in very similar range. I actually have Mahomes ahead of Lamar Jackson right now in my ranks. I think this is going to be a 40 to 45 touchdown campaign for Mahomes. And he's another guy, you know, that offers a sneaky rushing upside. You know, I think he's going to get 350 yards on the ground. You know, and it's fickle trying to predict rushing touchdowns. But, you know, maybe he gets three to four there and pads the bottom line. Lamar Jackson, you know, if he exceeds uh, 900 yards on the ground this season, I believe nobody has done that in back-to-back years, the quarterback position in NFL history. And has a line right now of 919.5 rush yards on Lamar Jackson. And I was hosting an FSGA draft, uh, and the spokesperson I talked to said they have more exposure on the over on that line than any other player prop that they are offering right now. So people are hammering the living daylights thinking, well, he ran for 1200 and change last year, setting an NFL record. He'll easily exceed 920, but he could easily fall short of that as well. And that's why I'm going with Mahomes. It's really hard to repeat as the king of any fantasy position. And I think Drew Brees was the last to do it a decade ago at quarterback. So for me, I'd rather have Mahomes. Um, but if you're going to go later, you know, I love me some Kyler Murray too. You're getting around pick number 70 overall. And if you want to even wait a little bit further than that, a guy like Daniel Jones, guys, I love scoring duelists. And I know he had some hideous advanced analytics last season, you know, across the board, and all the completion percentages. But, uh, you know, Jeff was talking up Evan Ingram. I like him. I like Golden Tate still. Sterling Shepard, yeah, he's, you know, one headshot away from retirement. But Darius Slayton's another guy that really stepped up as well. And you have arguably one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league in Saquon Barkley. It's a really nourishing and uplifting environment for Daniel Jones to greatly exceed expectations. You're getting it like QB 12, QB 13 right now. So you can certainly wait on that and focus again on the wonderful values presented at the wide receiver position in the early middle rounds. Uh, I, I'm good on waiting for a quarterback. I like that you brought up Daniel Jones. I believe I have him at quarterback number 11. Jeff, he has a like horrific schedule to start the year. And because not a lot of draft capital will be spent on him if he gets drafted at all in some leagues, is that you'll be able to grab him and not necessarily have to use him. You probably just leave him on free agency for like two weeks if he has a bad game. But I, I just... It's almost like I was fully invested in Josh Allen last year as my quarterback just to come in the last round, ran out Josh Allen every single week. The built-in floor of these guys who actually do run the ball is just so much higher. And we have a ton of those guys now. That's the thing about Lamar Jackson, though, is like you could take it's all it's like McCaffrey. If you just regress him 25%, he's probably still the number one QB, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I I, I still think so. I think that line is really good, by the way. I, 919 and a half. I am at 925. That's a spot yeah. online. That is stay yeah. away. That's, uh, but you know, and I get, I mean, smart of them to set that. Cause they, there's a lot of money on that over that. I don't yeah. know if it's going to necessarily hit and exactly. I mean, Hey, that's a pretty big regression in rushing yards that I'm pro- projecting him at. And yeah, he's still far and away the top guy. Uh, and and also, you know, t- a sizable touchdown regression. This is a guy who was off the charts efficient last year. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, people see this every year and they chase last year's numbers. He's still phenomenal. I agree with you 100% that, you know, you can put him in that third round range, but he's never going to get to that range on draft day. 
Now, regarding Jones, he's he's very intriguing because we saw his ceiling is enormous. He can be the number one quarterback in any given week. So I certainly like him, but we got to talk about one other guy if we're going to talk about running quarterbacks, and that is one Cameron Newton. I don't know. This is going to be very interesting. I don't think there's any debate that he will be the starter if he's healthy. I, I cannot see any situation where Jared Stidham uh, beats him out for the job. And we know that Bill Belichick historically is not one to say, hey, you have to play my offense. He adapts to his personnel. So do they do they scheme something up here? Do they use Cam Newton's skill set? It's hard to see a situation where if he especially played 16 games where he's not a top 10 guy. And because people, fantasy players just don't like Cam Newton, a lot of people just don't like Cam Newton you're not going to have to draft him in that range. You're going to be able to draft him as a late-round flyer this year, and I think it's a flyer worth taking. Uh, I'm kind of with you. There are quarterbacks, obviously, that I like better than Cam Newton right now. Like, I think I'd mm-hmm. still rather have Stafford than Cam Newton, although he yeah. presents – I mean, Stafford, yeah, shockingly, runs a little bit too. Uh, not much, but he'll he's not afraid to sneak it in Tom Brady style if he gets in close. It's the same reason I have Marvin Jones so elevated in my rankings as well. I just think that those three guys, Galladay and – Stafford and Marvin Jones all present terrific values right now where someone like DeAndre Swift is. I'm not trusting that backfield. It's like trusting the backfield of the Patriots. The only guy on the Patriots really that I have elevated up, I bumped Edelman way down. I just don't think that that's a good mix with Cam and the routes that Cam likes to throw to. But if he wants to throw to his running backs, I hear the Patriots have a guy that they like to throw to out of the backfield. This could be a huge win. We, we thought Brady leaving would kill James White, Brad. I think that Cam coming in could really help him here. Yeah, I saw that Mike Clay and I, Ratcliffe, I don't know what your projections are, but Clay put his out uh, for James White. And he had him at 54 catches, and I think it's too low. You know, the one thing that I, I think benefits Cam Newton, and really it happened accidentally, is the fact that he had the shoulder issues two years ago, and he was forced to, you know, deliver more touch on the football in the short to intermediate field. Um, you know, in 2018, he had his best rating in terms of just completion percentage. He was QB7 among quarterbacks have played at least 50 snaps that season uh and he's a guy that you know yeah the the deep ball it it fluttered on him it was problematic but within this offense with a guy like julian edelman as your primary focus or james white underneath as your primary focus cam if he can resemble that quarterback from 2018 is actually crafted pretty well for a play action based scheme and again in 2018 he was number one in play action completion percentage so you know, I think he's pretty well prepared. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's going to pick up the terminology very quickly. Uh, he is definitely going to be the starter week one. Make no bones about it. But I- I'm not sure how much he's going to run, guys. Um, you know, I think he's like a 350 to 400 rushing yard contributor. Again, touchdowns are hard to predict. But uh, ultimately, I think you're going to see a more pocket-tied version of Cam is going to lean using his touch on some of those short intermediate field throws to the likes of White and to Edelman. And I am not buying any of this Nikhil Harry breakout seven plus touchdowns nonsense. Not one iota. Well, Jeff, how do you expect this to run? Do you think it will resemble something like when Jacoby Brissett had taken over uh, at starting quarterback after Garoppolo went down that year where you're seeing a little bit of not only just play action, but the run option. Like you're going to have, if you only have cam for a year and it's incentive based, like he's probably going to be running. You might as well take advantage of that. And in the receiving game, like, I'm not as down on Nikhil Harry in this spot as Brad is. I think that Nikhil Harry could potentially outscore Julian Edelman with Cam as the quarterback. Well, it is interesting when you think of when Cam had the most success. He had the most success when the Carolina Panthers were fielding that basketball team, the 
Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches era. Yeah. You know, you had those guys on the field, big targets that he could throw to. It's nice to have, it's always nice to have a Julian Edelman on the squad. So you have him. And then James White has that sort of safety valve out of the backfield. But I do agree. I, I think this, they're smart enough, obviously, in New England to say we have a guy who we can design runs around. We're going to do that. And I also agree, Brad. I mean, I haven't projected right now at 14 games, and I have 78 rushing attempts, 395 rushing yards, three scores. So I'm not saying he's going to, you know, he's going to be at a Lamar pace by any means. But even with that, he's he's top five in rushing yards at the position, even, you know, yeah. minus the two games. So yeah. that's enough to give him a nice high floor. And Harry, yeah, hey, it's hot take city right now. We're in July. So every fantasy analyst out there is bored, especially because of COVID this year. Everybody wants to, you know, one up everybody else. And yeah, let's let's just drive up uh, Nikhil Harry into the third round or something. I'm not buying that, but I'd like to see him take a step forward. I mean, this is a kid with a first-round pedigree. I'd like to see him, you know, uh, get out on the field and and hopefully Cam can do something for him. I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna overpay for Nikhil Harry by any means. Uh, I have Nikhil Harry at number 89 in the rankings. I'm not gonna go crazy with it if he follows to me. And it's bravo. Hey, thank you. Um, I but I don't. I mean, that means I think he can be a decent fantasy contributor. I just want to see how this plays out a little bit. If he falls to me, I'll take him. I'm not going to reach for him. He's not one of my guys, so I don't need to go reaching for him in this circumstance. Uh, beyond pick 50, we'll try to close it out with two things, and this is one of them. Brad, who's the guy who's going too late right now? Maybe even a middle rounds guy. Like, is it a Jonathan Taylor type? Is it one of the rookie running backs? Is there someone that you see, maybe it's your boy, David Montgomery, I don't know, uh, that you need to kind of go up around and just make sure you get? Yeah, well, there's a couple of guys immediately that come to mind that are going too late, and it's not after round 50 or pick 50 overall. Chris Carson is absurdly underpriced right now. I think people are skittish because of the hip, but everything has been uh, nothing but puppy dogs and ice cream and sunshine out of Seattle in regards to his recovery. He didn't have surgery. He's good to go. He's going to be a workhorse in one of the better offensive environments in the NFL, and he's going like RB20, RB21. I still love Keyshawn Vaughn. I am not intimidated by Ronald Jones. Again, I love the atmosphere. I love the situation. I love the scheme. A guy that fits it, I think, very, very well. Uh, you know, played behind a shoddy offensive line at Vanderbilt. He can plug and play immediately and overtake Ronald Jones and what should be a nascent offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And going really deep uh, after pick 100, well after it, I love Boston Scott. And, you know, there's been flirtations. The Philadelphia Eagles were going to bring in maybe LaShawn McCoy uh, for a reuniting. That hasn't happened yet. Miles Sanders is the indisputable guy there. Make no bones about it. But Boston Scott was damn good down the stretch last season. Pint-sized guy, could catch the ball cleanly out of the backfield. I loved him when he came out of La Tech. Didn't stick with the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, though, sung his praises. Finally got an opportunity last season. And he was a top 24 running back in PPR over the last uh, three, four games of the regular season. So if he can lock into that Darren Sproles type secondary role in this Doug Peterson offense, and we know that Peterson loves to rotate backs in, he can get 10, 11 or so touches per game. I think he's a guy that's going to have a healthy ROI, particularly in leagues that score handsomely for receptions. Jeff, for me, after pick 50, it's going to be Marvin Jones. I have him at number 55. And Jordan Howard, who... No matter what team yeah. he goes to, he just gets the ball over and over. I don't care if they traded for Matt Breda. When we get near the goal line, uh, as we saw with Kalen Blage 
last year. We have a better version in Jordan Howard this time around. I think he makes a very acceptable running back three and a good flex play, and he's just going super late. Do you have some guys that you just see as undervalued from rounds like five to ten? Because that's really a dead range in most. Like I go back every year and look at fantasy drafts and see who I drafted in rounds five, six, seven, and eight, and they're usually absolute bums. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, really quickly here, the FTN uh, fantasy draft guide is going to be coming out very soon. And here's what I had to write about Jordan Howard. Uh, this is just uh, from the middle of my blurb on him. By midseason, it was clear he couldn't even hold Miles Sanders' jock, though the official narrative that he was that he suffered a shoulder injury. <laughs> Regardless, the Eagles let Howard walk, and he landed with the Dolphins, who promptly showed their confidence in him by trading for Matt Breda. I am not on the Jordan Howard train. He is a love to love. He's the anti-cam. Everybody loves him no matter what he does. I don't I don't really buy into that. I get it. The goal line carries all that, but he has steadily declined in efficiency over the course of his career from that very, very impressive start. So not in on him, but how about McCole Hardman? This guy is poised to explode. Now, obviously, unsustainable production last year but give him some more volume with his home run hitting ability on any play. You can get him typically outside of round nine. No, typically now he's about round 10. How about Henry Ruggs? Everybody drafting CD lamb, who very likely will be the number three receiver in Dallas. People drafting Jerry Judy ahead of him as well. Who's going to be the number two receiver in Denver. Who does Ruggs have to compete with, with for targets? And don't give me that Hunter Renfro stuff. Ruggs is blazing fast as fast as McCall Hardman and you can get him typically for a bologna sandwich in the end of drafts I love taking a shot there because again like you said Pat hey you're not you're a lot of times you know the the bulk of the heavy lifting of your squads is done in the early rounds but if you can get a guy with explosive upside that late then I'm gonna do it every time yeah Jordan Howard I'm with you not good but fantasy good because they just you no matter where he goes they use him for no explicit reason they just like is he's gonna be around until he's like 39 like thomas jones was i I don't know what's going on with this but (laughs) we and we just witnessed this coaching staff whether they were trying to tank or not tank tank but brian flores was just like let's use our worst running back at all times that's our move we'll trade our good ones to use our bad ones it seems to be just something in the culture with the dolphins i don't know last thing and jeff i really want to hammer this home with you what is the value of understanding where players are going to go? Like ADP is very fluid. It changes draft to draft, but knowing specific ranges of like a guy, like I'll just point to the Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark example right now. Uh, I am at 27 and 28 overall Uh, in terms of their very high end. They're going at pick like 35 at their low end. They're going at like pick 55 that I know that once it gets to a certain point, I need to take them, but I don't necessarily need to take them where I have them ranked. Do you operate under that philosophy as well by using ADP in conjunction with your rankings in order to draft to get a mindset of what other people are up to? Or do you just say, I have him ranked here, I will take him here? I absolutely do. And this is where it also comes into play of where are you drafting? Are you drafting in a backyard where you're putting stickers on a board? If you are in that instance, use as general a set of ADP as possible, and often I'll split the difference. So if you have him, you know, in the in the mid twenties, he's going in the mid fifties, then I'm probably looking right around forty. You know, that I'm going to split the difference, and I know I can very likely get him at you know, and for me that's still a value, even though he's in terms of ADP going a little bit later. That being said, if you're drafting on one of the the big fantasy commissioner sites out there, those sites are heavily, 
heavily slanted towards the rankings of those sites. ESPN is heavily slanted towards their rankers. Their ADP is slanted towards their rankers. So knowing that, you can exploit those gaps in the market as well. If you know that you're higher on somebody than you know Mike Clay is or vice versa, you know generally where those guys are going to go. Because I'll tell you this right now, people drafting online in those leagues – I guarantee most people in your leagues are not doing their homework and they're still ending up with half decent teams because they're drafting based on ADP. It's a lot harder to draft in a backyard with stickers than it is online uh, in one of those commissioner sites. But, you know, short answer, absolutely you have to account for ADP. It's a, it's a little bit of a secret secret weapon. I don't think you overuse it, but often I'll split the difference if I'm a little higher on a guy than ADP is currently showing for him. Brad, do you do the same thing uh, when we're talking about snake drafts? Obviously, auction, it's a little bit different. Uh, that's why I prefer auctions when it comes down to this, because you can really roll the dice and get your value at the same time. But in terms of snake draft, I just think the more information you have, the better. And to piggyback on Jeff's point, like whether, I mean, you're at Yahoo for ages, whether it's ESPN, there's always guys that are undervalued in those systems. Just doing one mock draft and scanning through the player list on these sites, if you're doing an online draft, can present tremendous value right off the top. Yeah, you can scour uh, very, very quickly and find out, yeah, and unearth those hidden gems that are really in the deep recesses of those embedded ranks for sure. Uh, And one other point just to make, if you are doing a a backyard sticker draft, and I know Ratcliffe's a strong advocate of this, keep it simple, man. You know, I like to go into a draft with a single cheat sheet that is broken down by position. I don't care about a top 200 overall. I, I really don't give two craps about that. I, you know, I look at it at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end defense kicker if you got to have it and it's just all condensed it's nice and neat you know it it keeps you on track it keeps you focused if you have too many barley pops uh, you can just look down at it and it's you know it's really foolproof overall and we're gonna have all that stuff in Jeff Ratcliffe's uh, guide that we're gonna have on FTN and we're really excited to present again just a clean presentation to go along with my all-man crush team to go along with Ratcliffe's incredibly deep uh, player profiles as well. So those could be coming out sometime next month. So you definitely want to tune in for that. Yeah. Fade the noise. You can go there now. Fantasy, daily fantasy, betting, data. Use the code Mayo. Get yourself an extra discount. On top of the giveaways right now, congratulations to both of you. I can't imagine what kind of preparation it takes to launch a site like this. I've been watching social media and just, what do you, what do you guys have a team of like 500, Brad? Uh, I think the over under is at four ninety nine and a half. So you're you're spot on there, Mayo. Uh, Jeff, uh, what's the one big thing at the site you're most excited for? Oh man, I have to boil it down to one one thing. thing. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll generalize a little bit. It's the tools that we're going to present, and it's it's not you know we're not necessarily reinventing the wheel. It's not like you know a lot of stuff that you you haven't seen before. But it's the user experience, the ability to use the tools in in a very clean way. And, uh, you know, that's what's really separating it for me. We have this splits tool that I literally I should not be wasting time right now because we're launching this big (laughs) website or set set of websites. And the other day I realized I spent like an hour just going down this rabbit hole of looking at, you know, you can do all sorts of things like you can look at you know, um, Mike Evans with Chris Godwin on the field, without Chris Godwin on the field, you know, indoor, outdoor, home, away. And then you can do it for teams as well and and look at the spreads. And 
man, it, it's it's such a great tool. It is so useful. And and really for me, that's been the most exciting thing is putting these together. Elliot Christ has done a t- tremendous job uh, yep. really, really, you know, putting that all together for us. So I'm excited to unleash this thing on humanity. Oh, Elliot Christ, my guy from the Quant Edge back in the day. Yeah. You guys got a team going on over here. Brad, Sirius XM, what time every day? 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern uh, on the Fantasy Sports Radio dial. So definitely tune in for that. I do along with Brandon Funson. We yell and scream. We do trivia. And there's a lot of inappropriate conversation involved as well. Probably more with Nate on the Fade the Noise podcast as well, huh? <laughs> yeah, that also happens. Uh, also part of the same uh, network that Jeff Ratcliffe's rant is on and is apparently dominating you right now in the iTunes ranks. So congratulations, Ratcliffe. Way to dunk on Mayo. Thank you. The Rant with Jeff Radcliffe. Unsubscribe now and leave one-star reviews. Unlike the Pat Mayo experience, where you should subscribe and leave five-star reviews. Don't even review it. Just rate it. That'll work well enough. Also, smash the like button to the video and leave your guy in the comment section and share the show around. You can find my updated rankings in the description of this podcast and video. Once again, fade the noise, use code Mayo, get yourself the extra discount. Congratulations again, guys. I know everyone's going to be super excited to check this out. I only briefly scanned the tools right when the site launched and I was like, this is super user-friendly. Even an idiot like me can use this. I can't imagine what like smart people can do with behind this. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!